When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am great. Looking forward to another great weekend of games. I don't know if they can top this last one, though. I was going to say, just, I mean, it, there's always extraordinary games in the NFL and particularly in the playoffs, but just that weekend as a whole with some of the matches, some of the results, the comebacks, the drama, it's one of the great weekends we've seen for quite some time, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I, I, my upset pick of the weekend was the Lions over the Jets, and I feel good that that happened, but it was, Definitely not the only one. I mean, the Jags winning in overtime, the Chiefs needing overtime to beat the Texans, the Vikings coming back to beat the Colts. I mean, every week I look at the schedule and I think, wow, this is going to be a really predictable week. And every week the NFL proves me wrong. One of these times I will learn to just lean into the madness. What's been the, I guess, the fallout or the reaction to that comeback? by the Vikings. I mean, we see comebacks in NFL all the time, but we've never, literally never seen one better than that. No, no, it's for one thing, I think the reaction is, man, this is really terrible for Matt Ryan to now be on yes. the, the losing side of two of the most, I mean, insane historic comebacks in NFL history. First, that loss in the Super Bowl, the 28-3 to to Tom Brady's Patriots, and now this one, and I think for one thing, it says, wow, this Vikings team is, I, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say that they are a legit Super Bowl contender in the NFC, but when I see a team like the Cowboys fading down the stretch, sometimes it takes some luck to you know, get to this point in the season where the Vikings are, and they seem to have just that maybe fate or destiny on their side. I don't know how much you can read into that, but on the other side of things for the Colts, I mean, as much as Jim Irsay wanted Jeff Saturday's hire to invigorate this team, it hasn't done that to its to the potential that he thought it would. Yes, they beat the Raiders, but and and they came close to beating the Eagles. But I I don't think that Jeff Saturday, you know, he he's a great coworker, a great friend, but I, I don't know that his future is leading the Colts um, to just you know be at the helm for a collapse like that. I think that um, it, it's incredibly disappointing. Now Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the running back has landed on IR. His season is done. So just a really disappointing year in Indianapolis. Just on that, uh, we were all pretty surprised over here when we saw the news that Jeff Saturday had got the, the coaching position with the Colts. As you say, he, he's a colleague. What was sort of the, the reaction amongst his colleagues when you found out the news? Yeah, I think we were all shocked. Um, you know, you, you can be happy for Jeff and also be a little bit confused by the hire, right? Um, because he doesn't have the same coaching pedigree. He'd, he'd coached high school football, um, and that is not the same as, you know, an NFL experience. But I will say the one thing that I, I thought would help Jeff, and I think did help him initially, was his attitude. And I think that people look to him. I think that he's a really good leader. Um, the sense I get is that 
he was comfortable delegating tasks and saying, you know, hey, I don't know something I need, you know, somebody else, this is somebody else's responsibility and role. And I think he managed it from a CEO type of perspective. Um, but then there is also the in-game component of it, you know, having to make the fourth down calls, the clock management, things like that, that I think you can't get a feel for until you have a job that puts you on the sideline and puts you in those positions. And when you're a first-time NFL head coach, it's kind of like drinking water from a fire hydrant. It just it just keeps coming. It's, <laughs> it's so crazy. And so I think that, you know, it, it was more of a challenge than maybe he expected. Um, but I think that he's had a really good attitude through all this and has been, you know, as good a leader in the locker room as, as you could hope he could be when he's put in this tough situation. We're speaking with Brooke Pryor from ESPN's NFL Nation. Brooke, uh, on the the other, I guess, big result on the weekend, and we've got some New England Patriots fans here in the office, and they couldn't believe what they were seeing at the end of that game. I noticed Stephen A. Smith didn't mince his words, not surprisingly, saying it's the dumbest play he's ever seen. Um, what happened? Why? Why did they go that way <laughs> with three seconds to go on the clock? It is a great question that I think Bill Belichick will be asking to himself and of his team over and over and over again. And, you know, I haven't seen the exact uh, explanation from Jacoby Myers. I do know that he said that that was not the play that was called. I think he was just trying to make something happen, made a mistake, did tried to do too much. But it, it, Stephen A. is right. That is really terrible. And, you know, I, I laughed when I was watching Monday night football here, the, the Rams and the, the Packers game, I went to open a bottle of wine and the one I pulled off of the rack was hook and ladder, which <laughs> felt really appropriate since that was the play of the week and a failed hook and ladder. Um, but, you know, to me, I, I at least felt some sense of relief that I have not gone crazy when I saw that Jacoby Myers said that that was not a Bill Belichick call that he did that on his own because I thought there is no universe that Bill Belichick green lights something like that. And so I felt validated and vindicated to at least hear, no, he didn't. Um, but you know, that's just, that's a mistake that you can't make. I, I don't know if you forget that you're tied or you forget the game situation, but yeah, that is um, about the most unpatriots like thing that has happened to the Patriots in a long time. This felt like a pre Tom Brady type of mistake. Brooke, just before we go into a couple of other issues in the NFL, you obviously you concentrate on the Steelers, but just take us through your journey. How did you get to where you are? It's a fantastic job you've got. How did it all unfold for you? Yeah, it, it is a really fun job, even when the Steelers are not having the best season. Uh, yeah, I started out covering uh, the University of Oklahoma out in Norman, Oklahoma, when Baker Mayfield was there, had a couple years with him. Um, soon after I graduated from college, I went to the UNC Chapel Hill, Michael Jordan, um, definitely more known for basketball than our football, but you know, it's getting better. And uh, then I spent a year in Kansas City covering the Chiefs for a newspaper there, Patrick Mahomes, uh, first season as a starter, his first MVP season, because I think he is on his way to another one this year. He certainly deserves it in my eyes. And then in 2019, I moved over to Pittsburgh to start working for ESPN covering the Steelers and thought that, man, I'm walking into a Ben Roethlisberger-led team. We've got Mike Tomlin and, and Kevin Colbert, and this team is going to be so steady and continue to be dominant. And one game into my tenure here is when Ben uh, hurt his elbow and was done for the season, and it has been a roller coaster ever since. 
How have you rated their season to date so far? You know, it, it, it's still on the roller coaster. Uh, it's been more downs than ups at this point. Um, but I, I think overall this team looking toward the future is trending up. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Too many crazy things have to happen. They very well may end up with Mike Tomlin's first losing season. I think that, though, when this team and this organization is honest with itself, this was always going to be a rebuilding year, right? Drafting Kenny Pickett uh, in the first round. Yes, they had Mitch Trubisky on the roster to be kind of a bridge guy, but they wanted to move on to Kenny Pickett sooner, and that, I think, just led to more growing pains that they had to work through. But he's shown improvement. This offense is finally clicking. The defense, there's still some areas and some positions they have to shore up, particularly in the secondary at cornerback and then up front on the defensive line. But, look, you've still got T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, Miles Jack, if they bring him back, a young guy like Mark Robinson, also playing well, DeMarvin Leal. I think that this team has the tools to be good in the future, but this year very much was figuring out personnel. You know, they, they need to upgrade their offensive line. There's some very – significant areas of need but I don't think that the future is hopeless by any means here in Pittsburgh even if a season without a playoff win or a Super Bowl run feels like a wasted season in this city. Just for those of us that cover sport in Australia we watch what happens in the United States and we just we look on it or at the access you get particularly on on game day whether it's basketball whether it's NFL you know you can go into the rooms locker room after the game and speak to basically whoever you want, particularly the, the players that might be involved in the defining play of the game. But it does have its problems at times, and we saw it on the weekend with Giovanni Bernard. Um, just take us through what happens there, and, and how often does it get tense in a locker room, particularly when you, you're trying to deal with, with players that might have just come off a, a heartbreaking loss or they've made a mistake in a game that was pretty costly. How often does it get a bit tense in there? You know, it's definitely one of the more challenging parts of our job to navigate, you know, a a locker room after a loss, especially when you're looking to a player that, you know, was involved in a play that significantly contributed to that loss. Um, I think the number one thing that we have to remember as reporters is that we're covering human beings that have human emotion that are, you know, going to be upset. Um, You know, I I wasn't in the locker room after the Bucks loss, but I, I, it's funny, I actually covered, Gio Bernard, when he was at UNC, um, we were there at the same time. I worked for the student newspaper, so I knew Gio pretty well then. Um, And my understanding is, you know, they walked in there and he was already dressed and on his way out, which is, you know, as a reporter, you want to at least have the opportunity to talk to a guy in front of his locker because we are afforded the the right in, in the collective bargaining agreement to go into a locker room after a game, after a designated cooling off period. And the guys are supposed to be in there. Some of them, though, do get out early. And so it looked like the reporters, you know, kind of pursued him. um, And then he didn't want to talk. And and I think that in that moment, maybe the drive for the story overtook their ability to kind of read and understand Mm. human emotion in that moment, you know, and and say, you know, you have to talk to us. Um, You know, saying, I understand that one of the things yelled was, you know, you were injured all year. That's why we didn't talk to you. Part of that is, you know, when a player's on IR, they're not required to talk. And usually when they're injured, you wouldn't speak with them anyway. But in the moment, it it does sound kind of jarring. Um, But, you know, I can tell you that from my personal experience, I was 
in the locker room after the Steelers uh, win against Atlanta. And George Pickens, the rookie wide receiver, incredibly talented, did not have very many targets that game, was seen coming off the field yelling, you know, throw me the expletive ball. And he was very emotional and very upset. And so I went up to him in the locker room afterward. I said, hey, George, do you have a minute? And he said, nope, and shook his head. And I moved on and just reported that he declined to comment. Um, you know, that it, it happens. It happens often that, that guys don't want to talk after, you know, something emotional happens or something bad happens. And I think that that's one of the situations where we we maybe didn't need to see how the sausage is made mm. in the locker room. Yep. Um, but we also just have to remember that, you know, these guys are human. And sometimes all we can do is they, they decline to comment. We've done our job, and then we move on to the next thing. Yeah, I think that's pretty well summed up. Okay, Brooke, before I let you go, we're going to get look into the crystal ball. Uh, who's your MVP for the season, and who will be watching in the Super Bowl in Arizona uh, early next year? Ooh, I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes is my MVP because what he has done this year with – I mean, his the weapons that he's had have been completely transformed. You know, no more Tyree Kill. Um, you know, he's got Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Travis Kelsey still there, obviously, but the wide receiver core particularly is just completely turned over, and he's still putting up the numbers that he's putting up, and they are winning because of him. So to me, he's my most valuable guy, even though Jalen Hurts has made a really strong case. I just think that Mahomes has done more with less. And that, that, that edges him out. Um, and then my Super Bowl, gosh, I really think that it could come down to uh, maybe Chiefs 49ers, maybe, you know, a, a replay of that Super Bowl from a couple years ago. I could also see a, a scenario where it's Bengals 49ers. I, those two, I'm, to me, it's a toss-up um, between the Chiefs and the Bengals to make it out of the AFC and the 49ers and the Eagles to make it out of the NFC. But I, I think I'm going to go final answer, Bengals 49ers. Bengals 49ers, magnificent. Well, there'll be twists and turns. It's been such an unpredictable season. Uh, who knows what happens from here. Uh, Brooke, thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, have a fantastic Christmas. And from your point of view, I hope the Steelers can finish off the season pretty well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.